Now, I'm not going to give anything away, obviously, because I, I showed this to... Uh, um, we have a, a child who's sick. In fact, we have two children that are sick in the family. So Christina's not here today. So I said, well, what do you think of this cartoon? And she sat and she looked at it. This is Christina, my wife. Mrs. Jakes. She sat and she looked at it. She said, I don't get it at all. And I had to explain it to her. But anyway, it's not very funny. But anyway, I thought it was just something to have as the children were going out and, and so on and so forth. Shake well before use. Yeah. Anyway, it only works if you've got a well. Really. Oh, you see? You see? They didn't get it. They didn't get it. It's like, ooh. Ah, oh, dear. So next time you get out your squirty cream, you have to go and find a well to shake. Um, excellent, good, okay. Oh, that's a bit of a weird colour. Why has it gone black? Never mind. Okay, doesn't matter. Uh, well, well, well. Well, this is a story of several holes in the ground. And uh, it's a story of Isaac. Now, here's a funny thing. In the Old Testament, um, when God is talking to Moses, he talks about being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, when you think about the story of Abraham, you've got this idea of how big it is, it's this enormous story and everything. And you think about the story of Jacob and being the deceiver and doing all the things that Jacob got up to, you know, that's a pretty big story too. When it comes to Isaac... He's a kind of quiet guy. Doesn't get a lot of chapters, actually. Uh, And yet, God is the God of Isaac, as well as the other two. He lived longer than the other two. Maybe that's because he didn't get up to quite so much. And there's four real main incidents that uh, talk about in the the Bible. There's... um, There's one where he's really not got a speaking role at all, a very small speaking role, where he's actually a child... And Abraham is tested and, um, and told to, to take his only son and sacrifice him. And, um, and so, Ab- so Isaac is there, and he's very much involved, <laughs> has got quite a vested interest in the outcome of the story. But the main, the main character is, is Abraham. Then there's another story which is actually about Isaac finding a wife. Now, if you read about the story of how Isaac finds a wife, he doesn't do it at all. It's all about his Abraham's servant who goes off to find a wife. Now, there's an idea. Anyway. (coughs) And and Isaac gets a role in the end because he appears in the field and Rebecca says, who's that? And and he says, the servant says, that's Isaac. And then that's pretty much the end of that story. So he doesn't get a very large part in that. There's Isaac and Abimelech which is the story I'm going to talk about today, so I won't go into the detail of that. And finally, of course, there's a bit where Isaac gets cheated, or doesn't get cheated, but gets tricked by Jacob into giving him the birthright when really it should have been Esau. And so his starring role in that is not being able to see well enough to know which son is which, which, as a father, you know, you sometimes do get confused between your children. But, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting claim to fame. But God is identified as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And um, I want to look at what's special about Isaac. He's got a great name. 
It means he laughs. I quite like that to be my name, actually. I quite like people to look at me and say, you know, Neil, we all are, yeah. What a laugh. No, I'd like people to think of, you know, oh, that Neil, he's very cynical. Uh, doesn't believe in anything, you know, uh, miserable. Or he laughs. That'd be a good thing. That would be a good thing to be known as, I reckon. Anyway, just a little thought. Um, where does he come from? Uh, well, um, Isaac is uh, the son of Abraham, or Abraham, and uh, he marries Rebecca, uh, who's the uh, daughter of Bethuel. And um, I just want to look a little bit at what's... So I'm going to look at this particular story. It starts in Genesis 26. If you want to follow it, you can do. And um, in Abraham's life, there was a time of shortages, uh, a famine. And, um, and that process repeated, or that situation repeated itself um, for Isaac in Isaac's time. So let's have a little look here. So, now there was a famine in the land, besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerah. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt, live in the land where I tell you to live. Now it's interesting, when Abraham got into trouble, he actually went to Egypt when he ran out of food. Um, Jacob, later, stays where he is and sends his children off to Egypt. But Isaac is directed specifically not to go to Egypt. And one of the things that we can get from this little episode is how important it is to do not what your father did, but to do what's right at that time to be constantly aware of what God is saying. There's no other right response. It might have worked last time, but we've got to be keeping in step with what God's saying to us today. So God says to him, go to the land where I, where I tell you to live and stay in this land for a while, for I'll be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I'll give you all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. And then he goes on to do so. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my, command, my requirements, my commands, my decrees and my laws. So, Isaac stayed in Gerar. Now, he was told to go there, but he was told there to go for a while. Um, and he wasn't ever to settle, but he was told that he was going to have to go somewhere and then move on. To go somewhere and then move on. Does that sound familiar? God's word to us has been about being on pilgrimage, about not settling, about moving on. So here's Isaac. He's been told to go to Gerar and to stay there for a time. And God repeats his promise and gives him reason for being confident in going into this, the enemy land. Isn't it interesting that the reason for that blessing 
is not actually what Isaac has done. As fathers, as parents, what we do has a consequence for our children. Now, our children stand under God, and they can relate to God directly. They don't relate through us. But isn't it interesting that Abraham's behavior has a direct impact on Isaac's walk? Hear what I'm saying. Under grace, everyone stands apart from their parents. But there is something as a parent that I can do that can help me to re- my child to relate to God, I think. Does that make sense? I don't want to be controversial. Well, I do, actually. I think there is some... And what does that mean? That means keeping in step with. It means being obedient. It means being open. So, at the end of the day, it's God's grace that saves our families. But we can use our position sometimes to bring them to him or even to turn them away. Now, God's word gave, or should have given, Isaac confidence. So, now here's a funny thing. Just having said some positive things come from our parents, look at what happens next. So, when the men of that place asked him about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she's my sister, because he was afraid to say, she's my wife, because he thought, the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca, because she's very beautiful. Now, you might remember from the story of Abraham, that's exactly what Abraham did. In fact, he did it twice. I was looking through. (laughs) He does it twice. He doesn't learn. And in both occasions, he gets into a bit of a pickle because of his lies about who his wife is. So here we are. He's received God's blessing because of his father, but he's still making the same mistakes as his father, which is also fairly worrying, really, in some ways. So, God help us. Uh, When Isaac had been there for some time, a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So, Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she really is your wife. Why did she say she's my sister? Isaac answered, because I thought I might lose my, my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what did he say? What is this that you've done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all his people, anyone who molests this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now here's a funny, here's a funny sort of little episode, really. It's always wrong to lie. Okay? Um, there's an even bigger thing going on here. That what's caused him to lie? What, what, is, what has brought about this situation where Isaac has not said who his wife is? His fear. And yet, just lines above, and we know there might be in several months or even maybe a year between when God spoke and that point, God spoke to him good reasons for confidence. But instead of remembering what God had said back then, when he's faced with the dilemma, he thinks, I'm going to fix it. I know what I'll do. This will keep me safe. This is my plan B. I'm going to say she's my sister, and then we'll all be all right. 
Anyone else ever done that? Well, not about his wife, obviously. (laughs) Necessarily. I mean, he might have done. That's another story. Anyone ever heard what God said, but chosen to follow a safer path? See, the enemy's favorite line is, I think, did God really say? I mean, he tried it out in the garden. You know, the first word serpent, the serpent speaking to Eve. Did God really say, or surely God did not say? Now, if you ever hear God, let me change that. When you hear God, when you hear that second check, did God really say, use it as a spur to pray it through. Don't get into a little spiral of, did God really say, am I right? Pray it, bring it back to the one who spoke it. And say, Lord, this is what I think you've said. Show it to me. Confirm it to me. Don't get into the downward spiral or even the plan Bs. In a way, we need these things. Um, uh, Not a horse, but I'm thinking of the eyewear. We need the the blinkers that are going to keep us looking at what God said and not distracted by the crowd that's over here or over there. You might even say the attack on the flank. There might be stuff coming at us from over here and coming at us from over here. But if we're fixing our eyes on what God has said, then we won't be distracted. We'll be less afraid. Let's hope we won't be afraid because we hear what God said. You know, you put them on a horse so that they keep plowing straight. Okay? And it enables you to, to, I think... Someone will tell me not later. But it also enables you to not be distracted yeah, by the explosions that are going on around, if, not if you're plowing. You probably wouldn't be plowing if there are explosions. But if you're a war horse or something like that. Okay. Um, I should explain something. Oh, it's probably not that important. Did, did you know that Abraham went to Abimelech too? Now, for those of you doing some sums, you might have worked out that Abimelech would be pretty old by now. The Abimelech that Isaac goes to see is probably the son or grandson of the Bimelech before, if that interests you, might not. It's probably a title, a bit like being called a pharaoh or whatever. It's not really the same person. So. All right, anyway, so what does Isaac do? So there's Isaac in Gera, and um, he's now got the protection of Abimelech, which is probably quite good, actually. In fact, Abimelech does tell him off, but basically he's not really in trouble at that point. So... Isaac plants crops in that land, and in the same year he reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Now, the actual hundredfold increase, if you're a farmer, is not that surprising in a way. If you sow seed, then you're going to get more back than what you put in the ground. But what is interesting is he's clearly doing much better than those around him. In fact, he's doing so well that they're envious. So Abimelech realizes what's going on. Now, it's hard to tell the tone that Abimelech's voice is using here. Um, I didn't read it like this. 
But I think this is actually what's going on. So Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You've become too powerful for us. Now, I don't know about you. That sounds a little bit like, you've got to move, mate. Actually, it's almost, the, the picture you get when you see the full story is it's much more Abimelech realizing that if he stays there, something nasty is going to happen to him, basically. Because he can't control all his people. He's the king, but he thinks something nasty is going to happen. So he says to Isaac, look, you, you just move along. Um, so Isaac moves away from there, and he camps, encamps in the valley of Gera, and he settled there. Now, it, it's pretty inconvenient having to move. He's been in famine, he's gone to a place, he's got himself set up, and he has to move again. Um, how do we respond when we're in this place of plenty, and God says, actually, I don't want you to stay there anymore, I want you to move on. One of the things that's clear in Isaac's character is he's very, very patient with what happens to him. He doesn't really respond. Well, there's no, no evidence of any kind of, do I have to? Which is kind of, surely you can protect me. He just gets on with it. And he settles there. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gera and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had done. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. That sounds pretty good. So, he goes out from the place where he was, uh, but in this sort of very dry land, what you need more than anything else for your crops to work is water. But he's got plenty of water because he just has to go back to the places that Abraham had dug. He digs them out. He's got plenty of water. He makes the land fertile again. And he even finds a well of fresh water. Now that word for fresh is living water. Okay? Living water. So he goes to a place and his servants dig up a place of living water. Now all the time we're looking at this historic story, I want you to be thinking about us, okay? So, we go somewhere, and there isn't any water, but God gives us the ability to dig up living water. This is a little problem, though. The herdsman of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsman and said, the water is ours. Well, they've just dug it up. Anyway... The water is asked, so he named the well Ezek, because they disputed with him, which is the well of dispute, that's what that means. So then they dug another well, and they quarreled with him about that one, and they called that one Sitna, which means opposition. So he's, you get in the picture, so he goes to a place where there isn't anything, he makes it nice and great to live in, people say, actually, we'd like to live there now, and so they move in, he moves out, he makes another place great, and they say, actually, we'd like to live there now. Can you move out? So then he moves out. And he goes, what do you think is going to happen next? It's going to go somewhere else. And guess what happens? He moved on from there and he dug another well. But no one quarreled with him over it. And he named this Rehoboth, saying, the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. From there, he went up to Beersheba. Now, before I go on to that, this is, the, this is the phrase that arrested me. 
Rehoboth means a spacious place. It means a place of room. It means a place of plenty. It means a broad place. Have you heard God talking to us about these things before? A broad place. So, he starts in one place, looks successful, has to move on. Starts in another place, makes it great. People say, we want to live there. Okay, I'll move on. Another place, great. Got to move on. He gets to the place of plenty. He gets to this place, this broad place. And from there he goes to Beersheba. The thing is, the world will want to take over the things that bring life to us. Um, Music brings life. Um, Spiritual music and songs brings real life. The world wants to say, it's ours. But actually, music's been given to men and women by God. And it's something which is a gift. Now, I'm not saying all that other music is wrong. What I'm saying is, though, actually people are experiencing less of it, a less of a miracle, less of a wonder. You know, someone said to me, what kind of music do you like? And I thought, do you know what? I don't know where to start with this guy. Because my experience of music is so totally different. To, I, use, I mean, I love music. But when I'm listening to certain songs... I'm in a different place. There's something going on inside of me that is, I find it hard to put into words for others. And, um, and I've got to taste and see, really, because otherwise they won't, they won't get it. So, so he goes to this place of plenty, and then God speaks to him again. That night, the Lord appeared to him, and he says, I'm the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, because I'm with you. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. And Isaac built an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. That everywhere he goes, they need a well. Everywhere we go, we need the wells of the Holy Spirit. Now, give me also springs. Give me also those things that will supply, will provide, will help me tap into the Holy Spirit. Are there wells in your life that are stopped up? Are there places of blessing that are no longer really places of blessing? Places, we'll look a bit more at this later, but that's one of the things I want to come to. Is there things that used to work, but don't. The Philistines are those, literally, who love themselves. Right? Loving yourself stops up the well of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Selfishness, is what I mean. Yeah? Um, Soulishness stops up God's well. So we need to, to ask him to uncover those wells. We'll come on to that. So, where is all this taking place? Well, he started over here, Bir Laharoi, which, who was paying attention in the names of God this morning? This is, this is the place, the, the, the well of the God who rules and lives and sees me, the living one who sees me. 
So he started from the living one who sees me, and he went to a well of dispute, to a well of opposition, to a well of room, and he ends up in Beersheba, which is the well of the oath. Now actually, it's a small world, that's where Abraham set out to sacrifice Isaac when he was a child. That's where Abraham slept and woke up knowing that's what I need to do. Interesting, isn't it? So he's gone back to the same place. Doesn't seem to have much residual trauma, does he, actually? I can't imagine explaining it to the social worker. But, you know, God met with him at that time and showed him that the Lord would provide. And, uh, and I think that's a lesson he definitely learned. So anyway, there he is in Bathsheba, and, um, and along comes Abimelech again. Now here's a funny thing. Abimelech said, go away from us. But all the time he's gone away, Abimelech's been watching. Abimelech comes to him from Gerah um, with his personal advisor, which I'm not going to pronounce, and Fickle, it looks easy enough to pronounce. And Isaac asked them, why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? And they answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. And so we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. You know, God allows others to see what we're doing. And all the time we think we're on our own and getting on doing our own thing, others are watching. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's, there's something been going on in Abimelech because if you look at what happens next, so he's recognizing, um, let's make a treaty with you that you'll do us no harm, just as we didn't molest you. Sounds like he's trying to be good, doesn't it? We didn't molest you, might have sent you away with a flea in your ear, but we didn't molest you that you will do us no harm, uh, but always treated you well and sent you away in peace. And now you are blessed by the Lord. So this guy doesn't believe in the Lord, but he's recognizing the blessing of God. Do you think that Isaac ever realized that Abimelech was watching him? There's a whole nation of unbelievers watching him doing what he was doing, such that the king, this is not just his servant, this is the king, had to come to him and say, you know what, I think we need to have, he didn't say you know what, although it is a phrase that I think if the Bible was written today, it would be in there, obviously. You know what, we need to have a treaty. So, what does Isaac do? But he has a meal, which I think is great, what a good idea. He who laughs. Then he made a feast for them, and they ate and drank. And um, then, early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them on their way, and they left him in peace. That day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they dug. They said, we found water. He called it Sheba, and to this day, the town has been called Beersheba, which is the well of the oath. So here's a, here's, a, here's a situation. They've met one another and they've sworn this oath. But after a journey, a journey where God has been uncovering things that were dried up. And that's our kind of calling, to provide channels of God's blessing wherever we go. 
And um, okay, I'm, 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 we're going to have a little break while I show a short video. Okay, which is connected. It will be connected. Um, having children's great because they they look things up for you and show you things that they found. Well, this is something that uh, Lydia found and. Um, and she showed it to me, and she was really irritating me by playing the tune over and over and over again. And then I found myself this morning waking up thinking about the song, so you've got to listen to it now. Um, but um, I just, And then I'm going to come back to where we've got to. Sometimes I think, what will people say of me? When I'm only just a memory When I'm home where my soul belongs Was I loved But no one else would show up Was I Jesus to the least of us Was my worship more than just a son
So I want to live like that. So that everything I say and do points to you. You see, sometimes we feel like we're kind of bumbling along like Isaac through this place where all the wells are just stopped up. And there's not that resource. There's not that spirit to help us live like that. See, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You can't... You hear that song, and I'm thinking... Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I want. But I'm also aware that without him, I can't. So, in this whole story of Isaac wandering through a place of dryness, but making it flower, making it fertile, making, bringing life where there's famine and death, I think the thing that, I, that God is impressing on me is the need to open up those wells. To open up those places of God's provision. To uncover them. You see, fruitfulness doesn't work without water. I know we've had a lot of laugh about there being a drought and then we've had the wettest April and now the wettest May and all of that. But you know, that crop will not grow if there's no water. We talked about being fruitful, but we can't be fruitful without the Holy Spirit. And those wells need to flow again. Those wells which are covered up, maybe, uh, you know, we need help to, un- to dig them out again. Let me, sh- let me talk a little bit about what a well might be. Well, a well, you know, is a... It's a supply of water in a dry place, and it's a source of life and blessing. Um, where I go um, on uh, my school astronomy trip, we stay at a farm called Madog's Wells, which is in the middle of Wales somewhere. Um, she's a lovely place, but there are wells there, and he's restored one of the wells that was there. If you had a, um, there's, there's Jonesy, you should say this, Clan did not. Wells is quite famous as being a spa town, isn't it? Have you heard of that? Vaguely. If you're a Welsh, it's famous, right? Anyway, it's a spa town, okay? And uh, Maddog's Wells was to be the same, but it's somewhere up on a hill and they couldn't actually get the stuff there. But this well has special water in it, and all they need to do is dig a hole and it bubbles up. I'll come back to that. Um... It might take time to dig a well. It might be deep. But actually, other times, wells can just bubble up, can't they? Now, if you want a scripture for that, I'm not sure that I've got one. But it's my experience that sometimes you know that it takes time to build connection. It takes time to, 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 to draw. But other times, the Holy Spirit, he just bubbles up. And... I think, I think that the world needs care to keep pure. And let me explain a little bit more if I just unpack what wells might look like. See, that, that farm where I stay, if you uncover, they restored it, but he's not made a very good cover for it. And stuff falls into the well. 
So if you have a little sniff, it really doesn't smell good at all. Because basically it's not flowing, it's just stationary. Um, I mean, you know the illustration, don't you, that um, the Dead Sea is dead because it has no outflow. Water just keeps going into the Dead Sea, and the only way out of the Dead Sea is when it evaporates. Uh, And so you're left with saltier and saltier and deader and deader water, whereas the Red Sea has got an inflow and an outflow, and it stays pure. That's a bit like us, okay? Um, If we're not letting anything out, then we go dead. I read that somewhere, it sounded good, I thought I'd just throw it in. Um, are your wills stopped up? Um, see, a will might be a relationship. It might be, it might be a particular relationship that you, you know you've drawn life from. It may be your prayer life. It may be reading the Bible. It may be those things. They may be things that allow you as a means of grace to receive from God. It may be listening to songs at particular times of the day. It may be praying in tongues. It may be when you go to a particular place, you know that you're going to receive. But the Philistines want to block them up so they don't work. The lover of selves. And sometimes things can get in the way and stop what was active being active. But God's given us the technology to dig them out again. And that's called, God help me. And we want to ask him for living water, yeah? So, you know, how can you keep going without water? You know, it's the thing that, if you take water away from someone, they will die very, very quickly. Uh, And, uh, The same is true for us, guys. We need the Holy Spirit. And now, the funny thing is, of course, how could you ever keep going without water? And uh, how could you ever keep going without the Holy Spirit? The Galatians reckoned they could. And Paul wrote to them this in Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to ask one thing of you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing. Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles amongst you because you observe the law, because you do things right, or because you believe what you've heard? And then Paul goes on to say, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And um, he goes on to talk about... I've lost my page, just one moment. He goes on to talk about the two children, the children of the promise, the child of the promise. So Hagar and Sarah, this is in Galatians 4. For it's written that Abraham had two sons, One by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. Now, do you remember what the story was? The story was that God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Sarah thought she could suss it out. She could fix it by telling him to to sleep with her servant. It's a good idea, I suppose. And then Hagar had Ishmael. 
But God always intended for the line to come through Sarah. And that's where Isaac comes from. We're not children of the law. We're children of the promise. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of the promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the woman represent two covenants. The covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. But Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. He goes on to say, There are therefore, therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. And it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So, you know, it's all very well saying, well, I'm just a bit dry at the moment and uh, just don't seem to be able to receive anything. But, you know, I'm just going to keep going. Just going to keep going. Who's bewitched you? We need to receive the Holy Spirit. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. We need to receive the Holy Spirit, but we don't get there by working at it. We don't get there by doing the right thing. We're children of the promise. We're born to be free. So Isaac was a child of the promise, and so are you. And uh, I just want to, I think I'm going to, that's, that's pretty much it. I just want just to sort of just reflect for a moment. I think it's just something just drawing together the things I've been talking about. You know, that journey that Isaac went through was the main episode that's recorded about him in the Bible. And all he seems to be doing is wandering through a very dry place and digging up wells, and digging up wells, and digging up wells. But that's what, that's what God's given us to do. We take his Holy Spirit as we go. We spread his life so that we might, in everything we say and do, point to him. Let's just pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, thank you that you command living water to come out of our believing hearts. Father, where there are those this morning whose ears have been tingling about living water, about a bubbling up, about our newness, about our life. Father, I pray that you would bubble up within each of those who are responding. Father, where we've used or tried to use wells that are blocked up, avenues of blessing that just don't seem to work, Father, would you rejuvenate those? Would you breathe your life into them? Would you stir us up that we wouldn't put up with the selfishness, the self-centeredness that would cause us to keep your blessing to ourselves. Make us into the Red Sea, not the Dead Sea. Make us into those that would spread life. That everything that we say and do will point to you. Father, help us. Help us, we pray. Father, help us.
You just, um, if you've got that sense that the well's blocked and uh, it's just not flowing like it should, you just, um, I think it'd be good to respond, really. So I think what we'll do is um, just like you to, can you just put your hand up? Like that, that would be good. My well's blocked, Lord. Okay, Father. Okay, Lord, we look to you now. Let streams of living water flow. Let streams of living water flow. Let your spirit flow. For those that are responding, where the enemy has intended harm, where the Philistine spirit has caused there to be blockage, has caused there to be covering, has caused there to be a lack of, of uh, flow and of life. Father, we command now in the name of Jesus, let there be freedom in these hearts. Let there be freedom over these wells. Let there be a new life. Let there be a bubbling up, Lord, as we worship you now, as we reach out to you, continue to, to work in their spirits, continue to draw forth the the Spirit of God, Lord, from within each of these. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord.